Method. I think it's page 549. I don't think it is. I just looked. So you can turn your Bibles there. Um, the passage we're going to look at this morning talks about children. Uh, I think it's also important just to remind you that we are having our children worship with us this morning. So we have a nursery from zero to three and three up there with us, which you can hear a little more squirming and moving around. And as a church, that's a joyful thing. Uh, but understand, I'm a father of four children, so if you are a little anxious and concerned about your kids with us, understand there's grace. They are going to be squirmy, and that's okay. Uh, I remember having one child. Uh, I thought I was a great parent, especially in church, because Ella, she could sit with us. She was quiet, didn't disturb anyone, started to write my parenting book. I mean, it was like, this is how you parent. And then fast forward, and this stuck out to me this morning, we were at one church, and we were sitting sort of towards the front, and we hear the people behind us sort of laugh, and I turn next to me, and one of our children, the youngest, always wore her swimsuit everywhere, so she wore it to church under her outfit, and she was pulling up her dress and showing the people behind them her swimsuit. I just thought, now I'm on the complete opposite end of my parenting spectrum. So uh, children are a great joy. They are lots of fun. You as a parent and even as an aunt and uncle, you know that kids are hard. Uh, but they are a joy to have, and they are part of the church. They are a significant part of our church. Well, as we look at this passage, this is a passage where the, the disciples are taking a turn really misunderstanding something, uh, not just the Pharisees. The, the, the disciples are sizing up people and telling Jesus, basically, don't waste your time on these kids. There are other more significant people. And we live in a culture that does that, not just to children, but we judge people, we qualify them, we put them in boxes, and we'll say, you know, for my career, it's better if I spend time with this person. Uh, living in a military town, I'm realizing more and more uh, how that is done in the military, where you get dressed up in your, I don't know what any of the words are, official uniform, I'll call it, and you put all of your stuff. Uh, doesn't make, I don't know what it means. I'm not in the military. I don't speak that language. I know if you have a lot, you're more important. If you have less, then you're less important. But that's how they would sort of see people. Well, you're really important, so I know this is how I act around you. You will help me with my promotion. Uh, it's not always done with impure motives, but that's a culture that, at least in, in that area, it's explicit. This is who you are. When that's happening here is Jesus really tries to care for the children around them, and the disciples uh, basically try to rebuke him. That doesn't make any sense to them. Let me read this passage. This is Mark chapter 10, beginning at verse 13. It says, and they, were bringing children to, and they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. This is, this is our king. 
This is Jesus, the eternal Son of God. And this is how he interacts with his children. So as we look at this passage, we're going to look at uh, the character of the king, and then the characteristics of his kingdom, and then we're going to look at what does it mean to receive this kingdom? What does this look like? The character of the king, Jesus is abundantly compassionate. He blesses these children, he calls them, and he actually protects them in the midst of this little bitty interaction. The disciples did not want to be bothered with children and also did not want Jesus to be bothered. Uh, really, this is, uh, here are the disciples, and they're telling Jesus, who is the eternal king, Jesus, you shouldn't do that. You need to do something else. Now, many of you might read that, and being Christians, we'll read that and go, oh, how wrong that is. Someone telling Jesus who Jesus should be and what he should do. Well, if you really understand your heart and your motives, uh, that is what you and I do continually. We see Jesus and how he is a king and how he rules, and then we tell him, no, 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 Jesus, that is wrong, what you're doing. You need to do this over here. It just would make more sense. Basically, it's better for me. So as you rule your kingdom, please have that submissive to my kingdom that I'm creating and trying to live in. The disciples were protecting their desire and their little kingdom. The role of a king, significantly the King Jesus, is to guide his subjects uh, with his character and with who he is. And that's what he does. He shows compassion to the needy uh, because all people are valuable. Compassion is seen in his welcoming and in his protecting and he fiercely loves these children who were extremely lowly in this society. Uh, we in America and just around the world, we have a higher view of children. You see it, what, what companies market to, the age they market to. It's no longer to you and I as adults. They market to children. So the world is beginning to revolve around them. They are so significant for marketing purposes and businesses. They're really ultimately more valuable to us as people and us in the church. He fiercely loves them. He confronts those who are closest to him, his disciples who really don't understand what's going on. The heart of Jesus is revealed when he becomes extremely frustrated, indignant with them. It shows his deepest concern for these children. This verse says, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Uh, George MacDonald said in one of his books, he doubted a man's Christianity if children were not found playing around his doorstep. As, as people who trust in Christ, uh, how do you interact with children? Uh, do you take time to spend with children? Do you interact with them? Do you know their names? Do you know what they like? Uh, I hope you do. And as someone involved in this church, I hope and pray that you do that for my children. Because my children need 
you to love them and to care for them. Because I try to, yet I live with them. And it's really hard. And they would say the same thing about me. They would tell you, love my dad, confront him, be gracious to him, because I have to live with him. So what we have here is we have the character of the king who is abundantly compassionate to the needy, the people around them, especially the children in this passage. Something is wrong with our Christian faith if we do not love and interact with children. The model of Jesus, our king, is to love and show compassion to children. This is what he did. He took time out to bless these children. And he, then he took time to confront his disciples and say, no, 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 you completely misunderstand what's going on if you think I'm going to go after the intellectual and educated. Jesus said, this is what's most valuable and important. And as a church, our children are extremely important. Not only the children here, but the children that live in your neighborhood. They are extremely, extremely important. We serve a king who is abundantly compassionate. And his compassion is shown not towards those who are higher up, but his compassion, his true compassion, is shown towards the needy. The kingdom of God, the character. What is the, what is the character of this kingdom? Well, if our, if our king is a compassionate king, then the kingdom he creates is a compassionate kingdom. It's a compassionate community that cares about the needy. The kingdom of God is simply the rule of God in someone's heart and life, joined with the blessings, enjoying the blessings of this rule. That's the kingdom of God. You are submitting to God's eternal rule, and you're resting in the joy of living in that kingdom. But too many times our thinking is that in some kind of kingdom or community that you need to earn something to be in it. The undeserved can't be in it. God's kingdom is for the undeserving. It is for the needy and the broken. We talk about this a lot as a church. Uh, this is where we live. And as you come this morning, you might be, be able to be honest enough and say, that is who I am. You might understand the brokenness that's happening in your life and the neediness and the aimlessness. You might understand that to a degree that some other people here might not. The kingdom of God is for you. It is for you. This common model of having uh, a kingdom that we have to earn our way into really bleeds through every area of our life. And it creeps in. We only welcome people or value them or engage them in conversation if we feel like they will help us some way. Instead of being truly merciful and helping those around you who can give you nothing back. Nothing. That is God's kingdom. As I was thinking through this, I wrote the words, uh, we lovingly ignore people. I like that, not because I wrote it, but I think that's really interesting. We lovingly ignore people. 
who really don't fit into what we're trying to do with our life. And in some way, we have answers of why we don't engage them, why we don't reach out to them. There's really a heart problem, and that's why we don't do it. But understand, it is hard. It is hard to sit down with kids and to engage them and to love on them. It is hard to do that to people in your neighborhood. It is hard to do that, really, if we're honest, to the people sitting right next to us. But that's the kingdom that God calls us to live in. And we only understand this kingdom when we understand the king who is abundantly compassionate, who gave us something we do not deserve and included us in his family and then called us and filled us to be his hands and feet of ministry to the people around us. In our world, we seek lives to live that are significant, that are valuable, that are efficient. But this understanding of this kingdom reaching out to the needy, it is not efficient. Uh, it's, it's not efficient. Thinking about walking with your neighbor, living life with him and encouraging him as he walks in alcoholism. You will not be efficient with your time. Listening to the wife whose husband just left as she weeps endlessly, you will not be efficient with your time. Think about the children in your neighborhood who continually come over to your house and make a disaster, but they know that you love them. You will not be efficient with your time. Uh, growing up, I was out a lot and spent a lot of time in other people's homes and not my own family's home. So the people that had the most impact to me were the people that opened their homes to me. And I destroyed their homes. I was thinking about it this morning. I'm embarrassed now. <laughs> it only took, I'm 41, it only took so many years, 20 or so years to, to realize what I did. But they loved me. And I drank all their milk. I ate all their food. I broke stuff and told them, no big deal. That's what I did. And what did they do to me? They loved me. Well, yes, they did confront me, tell me I had to replace things. But that was their love to me. They loved me, and they cared for me. And what happens now as I look back at my life, it is those people who've made the impression on me of what does it mean to live in the kingdom of God. It is those people who sacrificed their own comfort to show me grace and love that I did not understand. And this happened when I was younger, when I was a kid. One denomination asked the Gallup poll to do a study of um, when people came to Christ. And in this study, they came out with the statistic that 19 out of 20 people in this denomination came to Christ under the age of 25. That's amazing. 19 out of 20 people came to Christ under the age of 25. So you, in this room, how many of you would say that you made a, uh, a heartfelt, you understood at your level of understanding uh, what Christ did at an age that was under 15? How many of you can say, why don't we love kids? If you want to have the greatest impact, it's loving children. 
It's showing them what the kingdom is. It's, it's welcoming, and it's embracing, and it's fun, and there's laughter, and there's tears, and there's brokenness. And these kids will remember it just like you do. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to serve this compassionate king, to live in this compassionate community. And the only way we can do that is when we can receive this. Uh, There was a Jewish saying um, that said, a child tells in the street what his parents only tell at home. There's a lot of truth to that, where you spend any time with kids, makes you're laughing, you're, you're a parent, and it's gotten back to you what your children have said about you. Children have this ability to not have the safety net that we do as an adult of, I probably shouldn't share this. Uh, when they get hurt, what happens? They cry. And they really, it's their feelings they share honestly about things. They're sad and they weep. They're excited and they scream. And it drives us crazy. But that is how they are. It's just out in front of them. So in our maturity as people walking with Christ, our maturity, sometimes we think we're just, we're, we're more protected. That's what maturity looks like. We're less emotional. Um... We, we make fewer mistakes, we can hide them better, and we call it maturity. Instead of understanding that the joy a children has when they scream, that is great maturity. That's a wonderful thing. Uh, it's one thing when I come home from work, our youngest will scream, Daddy, wherever she is, and run to me. It's wonderful to me. It's humbling to me that my kids would love me so much. But if we're focused on building our own kingdom compared to living in this kingdom, our life will look drastically different. And what this looks like, building our own kingdom, is really where I'm tempted in my life and where you are tempted. I'm tempted to push my kids away because I'd much rather have quiet and be productive and be seen as a better pastor, be seen as a better neighbor, instead of realizing the real calling I have is to love and sit down and give my kids time and to be inefficient and to be okay. This is why in our community, in our church, we embrace children. We want them to see you as an adult worship. This is why we have them with us. We want our kids, I want my kids to have a memory of seeing you sing, of seeing you recite a confession of sin, of seeing you hear the assurance of pardon, of of hearing you pray. That's what I want my kids to hear because then that's going to be impressed in their brain. And when they struggle with things and they don't want to tell us, they pray they tell you. Or you will love them enough to pursue them and love them, and laugh with them, and listen to them. That's the kingdom of God. That's the community that we're called to. 
But this is not a community that we, we work our way into by our good deeds and by our long list of accomplishments. This is a community that we, uh, this is a kingdom that we receive. This verse says, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God is like a, chi- like a child shall not enter it. Unless we are welcomed by God's work on behalf of us, and this work is the completed work of Jesus, his perfect life, his sufficient death, and his resurrection for our sin. That is the work that we receive, and then we can rest and live in this kingdom. And fighting this, fighting this receiving idea, our tendency then is to, to work our way into it. What can I do? How can I, how can I be seen as a godly, faithful person with integrity? Instead of realizing that's not what gets you in the kingdom. What gets you in is being like a child and humbly receiving something you cannot earn. And it is humbling. And that's why many of you this morning struggle. It's because you do not want to be humbled. I don't want to be humbled either. But this is the joy of living and resting in this kingdom is that we are humbled before an abundant God who is compassionate, who loves you, and who knows what life is for. And that's what we're called to live under. And as we receive this kingdom, this you read through the Bible, this kingdom is not for the well-educated, it's not for the very talented, it is for the broken and hurt. And I pray that you will be honest enough in your life to see where that is and to be able to humbly receive God's gift of salvation. So our calling as Christians really is a dual calling. It is to receive God's gift of salvation and be welcomed into his kingdom. And then we're called to extend this to those who don't deserve it. They're inseparable. But here, this is the problem is that we will say, okay, receive the kingdom. Okay, I'll understand that. Now tell me what I do. And then we get so focused on what do I do in my life, what is my calling, that we forget that we enter and live in this kingdom only by grace. So if you are not loving the kids around you, if you don't care about them, I'm not telling you to do more. I'm telling you to understand what you receive that is in Jesus alone. Because the more you can, you and I can understand that, the more then we find joy in loving the needy and the undeserving and the people that are around us in our life. But if we just focus on this, then we tend to just leave this out. And really, you're missing the whole point of the Bible. Because anyone can try harder. Anyone can. The problem is that doesn't do anything in front of a holy God who is just and is only looking for those who can hold on to Jesus and say, this is all I have. And then with that, we can love the people around us, the kids especially. We read a passage out of Romans 8, and then we'll prepare our hearts as we come to the Lord's table this morning, as we come to receive communion. 
It's out of Romans 8. It says, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For you who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. This is what we receive trusting in Christ. We are heirs. We inherit what Christ inherits on our behalf. And we are set free from striving to create our own kingdom. And then we can joyfully and lovingly serve the children, the undeserving people around us, and give them value and love them. Well, this morning as we come to the Lord's table, uh, this is a table for the undeserving. This is a table for people who say, I can't please a holy God. There's nothing I can do. Who only say, it is Christ alone. And this table nourishes us. It feeds us spiritually. It reminds us of his death and resurrection. And it points to the future of resting in him for eternity. Please listen as I read from Mark Uh, the words of institution about this table. As they were eating, Jesus, he took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them. He said, take, this is my body, and he took a cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them. Then he drank of it, and he said to them, this is my my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when... I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, uh, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. And he took wine. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for many. Uh, This is the table that nourishes us on the death and resurrection of Jesus. As a church, this is what we are about. This is it. Uh, If you get nothing else this morning, but be reminded that it is God's love and God's grace in Jesus that sets you free. It is not working harder. It is not doing social justice. It is this. So this table this morning is for anyone here who can say, I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I repent of my sin, and I trust in him alone for salvation. This table is not for you this morning who say, I don't believe anything you talked about. And I want you to really, really understand that. Um, If you don't trust in Christ, we'd ask that you just remain seated as people come forward for communion. But I would ask that you take a few moments and pray. There are a few few, uh, prayers written in your order of worship that I ask you to read as you're probably searching for truth like everyone in this room has at some point in their life. So if you actively repent of your sin and trust in Jesus, this table is for you. 
I would ask this morning that whoever's helping hold the elements, that they would come forward. The way we do communion here is we begin at the back rows and we walk forward on the outside aisle and receive the elements, and then you can go back during, through the middle aisle and have a seat again. Uh, take the elements whenever you would like. Uh, we have red wine in the middle and white grape juice on the outside. Uh, the bread that is cut on the bottom is gluten-free. So just keep that in your mind as you come forward. The other thing I would encourage you to do is if you have young children, especially today as we've talked about the value of children and that they are a part of our community, that you come up with your young children and these couples here, or I would love to, pray. we want to pray for your kids because they're extremely valuable to us. So please come forward with them. Uh, if you have young children that have not professed faith in Jesus, we ask that they just come forward for prayer and not receive the elements. Um, so it is with great joy this morning that I invite you and I welcome you to come receive the sacrament of the Lord Jesus.